Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And this is episode 336. So I was hoping to devote this week's episode to either an in-depth look at the Ten Commandments or a follow-up to an episode I did a long time ago entitled Atheism and Morality. But I encountered some more criticism, and the Pope just made a couple of comments recently that got under my skin. So I've changed course. I think it's safe to say that the lucky streak I had always been referencing concerning the lack of animosity and criticism I've encountered since the inception of the podcast has finally come to an end. Uh, This week, someone took offense to a YouTube excerpt from episode 135 in which I defend the Charlie Hebdo cartoons. I thought my take on the story had been fairly reasonable and measured, but apparently this individual didn't think so, so here's what they had to say. And this is from Betty Benson, once again via YouTube. How could you admire those cartoons? Is there no respect for other people? They're definitely in bad taste in schoolyard taunting, all of them. And your admiration certainly puts you on the same level as a juvenile. The cartoons are more than satirical. They are insulting and inflammatory and serve the purpose of Western powers to ridicule and spread hate of a religion and its followers. Get real! Exclamation point. I consider you to be one of those human beings who have lost your sense of decency and humanity. Well, I'm sure it's not how she meant it, but thanks, Betty, for calling me a juvenile. Uh, I'm certainly not getting any younger. And this past week, I had to listen to classic rock at work, and they started playing Nirvana and Soundgarden. So, as a uh, Gen Xer, when you hear um, Seattle grunge music on the classic rock station, you know you're getting older. But anyway, but here's what I said in reply to Betty. Hmm, interesting how Betty didn't leave any way to reply to her comment. Perhaps it's her YouTube settings. And that was meant to be slightly sarcastic. Usually in the YouTube comment section, you can quickly reply to someone else's comment, but you couldn't with hers. So I don't know if it was a glitch or she did it so she could troll without having to face the consequences. But anyway, I'll continue. Anyway, yes, I admire those specific cartoons that lampoon extremist violence. Case in point, the one with the decapitated artist blowing a raspberry at the terrorist who beheaded him. Perhaps you missed it, but I went out of my way to say in the video that there were a couple that even made me a little uncomfortable. Even if I disliked the cartoons, I still believe the artist should have the ability to question, criticize, and yes, even ridicule religion. You suggest I have no decency or humanity, but it is those very qualities that lead me to support free speech and satire that points to religious and political hypocrisy. A couple of listeners posted positive replies on the Weekend Out Facebook page, so I'd like to read those. First up is someone who used to go by the alias or pseudonym Heresy. I don't know if you still prefer that, so uh, just to be safe, I'll address you as Heresy. And she's a good friend of the show, very active on the Weekend Out Facebook page. And I really do appreciate all that interaction, by the way. Not only does it make the Facebook page a more vital place, also just knowing that people are listening and that they care about the show keeps me going. And she said, 
Wow, I'm baffled that Betty would say that last sentence. The only explanation I can think of is that she can't be a regular listener and probably didn't even listen to the whole show. Even after I'd heard just one show, it was clear to me that you had a lot of common, uncommon, haha, <laughs> uh, human decency. Your concern for people and animals is a defining element of your show. Well, thank you, Heresy. I really appreciate that. And it was nice to hear something so positive after all the recent criticism. And I do like to think of myself as someone who places importance on empathy and compassion. So I'm, I'm glad that's showing uh, through. So, uh, all right, thanks, Heresy, uh, once again. But uh, here's my original reply to Heresy's response. Thank you, I really appreciate it. I'm starting to realize that one of the really frustrating things about sharing your thoughts with the world is that no matter how nuanced and reasonable you try to be, there will always be Bettys out there. And I like Leon uh, Backstrom's reply, too. It's concise and right to the point. Nice of her to share. <laughs> and I think that does get the uh, point across. She was chiding me, the, uh, the YouTube critic that is Betty, for not being considerate of people's feelings. But she had no problem leaning right into me and even suggesting that I lack you, uh, that I lack humanity and decency. So as uh, Leanne says, nice of her to share. Well, in the last episode, I did perhaps act a little uncharacteristically snarky when twice I used the phrase boo-hoo, also something I, I hardly uh, ever say to refer to concerns that the cartoons might offend people or hurt their feelings. And usually I do try to be mindful of other people's feelings. But I get so frustrated when people don't seem to get it. This is a free speech issue. And to me, at least, as a non-believer, religions are man-made belief systems. We should be able to ridicule them like any other beliefs. If someone thought the Earth revolved around Pluto, <laughs> people would hesitate to have a bit of a laugh and try to set the person straight. But somehow when it comes to a person's beliefs about the creator of the universe, if one exists, suddenly questioning their beliefs for some reason becomes completely off limits. And just as sometimes, I haven't said it in a while on the show, but I used to talk about how there seems to be this weird notion that faith is inherently noble, that having faith in something that can't be proven is a virtue. And I don't see it that way. I think that searching for the actual truth is noble. And to me, there's something even ignoble about allowing yourself to be pacified by superstitious beliefs and supernatural claims that can't be proven. And I was hoping we wouldn't see this kind of victim blaming that we saw with the Danish cartoons, but that is exactly what's happening. And I know when I say victim blaming, it, it makes it seem like the cartoonists were these sheepish little souls who never did anything to provoke anyone. Um, they did provoke. Satirical cartoons are meant to provoke. They're meant to make people think. They're meant to kind of speak truth to power, to point out hypocrisy. And so, yeah, they can be provocative, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
It's a form of freedom of speech. And I also think it's important because the exercising of free speech helps to maintain freedom of speech. Imagine what would happen if no one ever dared to be critical, if no one ever dared to point out religious or political hypocrisy for fear of physical retaliation or offending someone else's sensibilities. Imagine if no one ever raised their voice in the public arena because they're afraid of ticking off the wrong people. It sounds like a totalitarian nightmare. Once again, as a fairly sensitive person myself, I don't like the idea of hurting someone's feelings. And in my everyday life, I try to treat everyone I encounter with respect and try to couch things in the least harmful way possible. But once again, I want to reiterate that I think there's a big difference between juvenile taunting and once again, you know, I said in the last episode how all of us, if we had decent parents, were probably raised with the philosophy, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, don't bully, don't taunt. But there's a difference between getting in an, in, in an individual's face and cruelly taunting them and criticizing institutions and belief systems. And we need to criticize institutions and belief systems if we want to weed out what's wrong with those things and continue progressing as a uh, civilization. And like I said, there were a couple of Charlie Hebdo cartoons that at first even I was a little taken aback. There was one, I think it might have been in response to the Innocence of Muslims movie or something, um, but it, it had a cartoon of Muhammad lying face down naked with a guy filming his rare end for some reason, and that one took me back a little. But as I said in the last episode, the one with the decapitated artist blowing a raspberry defiantly at, at the violent terrorist who beheaded him, I thought that was a powerful message about not being bullied by extremists, about how you can kill an individual, but you can't kill an idea. Um, about how we shouldn't even let the threat of violence keep us from exercising our freedom of speech. And I know it might sound weird comparing like Charlie Hebdo to uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Or, or Gandhi. But imagine if, say, Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. said, you know, well, let's say Martin Luther King Jr., if I say this stuff about how black people are equal in the American South, there's a good chance that I might get killed or face violence. So I'll just stay home and keep my mouth shut. You know what I mean? It's, I actually think it's immoral to tell people that they shouldn't stand up to bullies, that they shouldn't criticize fundamentalism. And, and I think uh, most of the Charlie Hebdo cartoons, well, they were kind of equal opportunity satirists. They satirized Judaism, Christianity. Uh, they had one cover that I kind of loved that had a rabbi, a, a pope or bishop, and a Muslim cleric linking arms and kind of marching angrily out of the cover. And it said something in French to the effect that Charlie Hebdo must be veiled. Like the other one I like that I talked about, the one where Joe's kind of like a Muslim and a Charlie Hebdo cartoonist kissing in front of the smoking ruins of the firebombed Charlie Hebdo offices. I like that one a lot too. I think that's another one that said, we're not going to let 
terrorism or violence keep us from expressing ourselves. And there, there was one that also depicted Muhammad. And, uh, and I think that's the big thing that apologists have a problem with is the depiction of the prophet Muhammad. Maybe they might be more understanding of the ones that are simply critical of extremists. There's one I still thought was really powerful that depicted Muhammad that kind of mirrored those recent ISIS execution videos. It had an ISIS terrorist dressed all in black cutting off the head of Muhammad, or getting ready to cut off the head of Muhammad. Very powerful and provocative image. And I think the point was that, as I said before, the extremists are so extreme that if Muhammad, if he was alive, might not even live up to their standards. But I think as Christopher Hitchens once said, you know, we have to grow up out of this stuff. I wish more people had the self-awareness to be able to step back and say, wow, how come we are free to criticize just about everything else? But for some reason, it's considered taboo to criticize or satirize someone's religious beliefs. There may or may not be a higher power. You guys know me, agnostic atheist, highly doubtful. But I emphasize the atheist and agnostic atheist when it comes to organized religions. I think even if there is a higher power, I don't think any of the world's man-made religions have got it right. We can look at them. We can see the clearly man-made nature. We can see the inconsistencies and contradictions in their texts. Um, and once again, not to be the dead horse, this is something I used to talk about a lot in the old days of the podcast, what I like to call kind of geographical happenstance. You know, people do convert to other religions as adults, but for the most part, I think people tend to, people tend to assume that the religion that they happen to have been born into is the right religion. And there's many religions in the world often but not always with mutually exclusive claims. So why is it taboo to criticize these belief systems and their supernatural claims that you learned at your mother's knee, which you have no empirical evidence for? Why is that off limits? Are you afraid that you might be wrong and you don't want anyone to point that out? And people getting all worked up over cartoons. Um, I think Cenk Uger made a good point, and he's a former Muslim. You know, he's... Uh, he was born in Turkey, raised in a Muslim family. And yeah, I have my differences with Cenk. I think he can sometimes be too PC when it comes to Islam. And I disagreed with his take on the whole Sam Harris, Ben Affleck, real-time debacle. But I still agree with Cenk on a lot of stuff. And he knows of what he speaks. He he was raised uh, Muslim. And so he was talking about why it is you're not supposed to depict the prophet Muhammad. Most of us might say, well, he's a holy figure, so you can't depict him. But it's actually somewhat different than that. According to Jenk, it's supposed to be, you're not supposed to depict the prophet Muhammad because your focus should be on God, should be on Allah. And as important as Muhammad is, he's just the earthly messenger. He's a human being. So, and you're not supposed to make an idol of him. You're not supposed to worship Muhammad. You're supposed to worship Allah. You're just supposed to revere Muhammad as, as uh, Allah's messenger. So Jenk pointed out the hypocrisy that the reason for not depicting him is because you're not supposed to 
idolize him in the stead of God. And yet, by getting all worked up and killing people over depictions of Muhammad, it's as if you've elevated Muhammad to the level of an idol. So I think that's kind of interesting food for thought. And as Reza Aslan has pointed out, there are actually Muslim sects that have a long tradition of depicting Muhammad. Not all Muslims agree that you shouldn't depict Muhammad. And supposedly it doesn't forbid the, the depicting of Muhammad in the Quran. Supposedly that's in the Hadith. The Hadith comes after the Quran and it's supposed to be collections of the, the teachings of the Prophet, I believe. It's interesting. It's not only Muhammad that's not supposed to be depicted, uh, according to many Muslims, but also other prophets as well, which is why sometimes you'll hear stories about movies like the recent one starring Christian Bale as Moses being banned in the Middle East, or, or these really pious movies about Jesus being banned in certain Middle Eastern countries, because they don't think you should depict them either. But I think as a species, once again, to our quote hitch, you know, or paraphrase, we have to grow up out of this stuff. The idea of killing someone or getting worked up into a frenzy over a cartoon because it satirizes your man-made religious beliefs, it's ridiculous. And more than ridiculous, people are being killed. So to reiterate on the subject of hurting people's feelings, I'm a sensitive person myself. I don't like having my feelings hurt. I do my best not to hurt the feelings of others. So I think you should conduct yourself in a polite and caring and civil way in your everyday life, but that doesn't mean you don't have a right to criticize belief systems or even satirize belief systems. And this is where, once again, I want to read that brilliant Salman Rushdie quote. And uh, Salman Rushdie said this in the wake of uh, the, the Charlie Hebdo attack. And for those of you, I don't know if like you younger listeners out there might not be all that familiar with Salman Rushdie, but he had a fatwa issued on his head for writing a book that Islamic clerics thought was critical of Islam. But here's a story from uh, the Daily Mail UK, and, and I'll read a bit about it. Author Salman Rushdie, whose book The Satanic Verses prompted Iranian clergy to issue a death fatwa on him, has condemned the attack on the Paris offices of satirical newspaper Charlie Hebdo. Here's the quote that, that I love, and I included it at the end of last week's episode. And actually, here's the full quote. I only read a portion of it last week. Religion, a medieval form of unreason when combined with modern weaponry, becomes a real threat to our freedoms. This religious totalitarianism has caused a deadly mutation in the heart of Islam, and we see the tragic consequences in Paris today. I stand with Charlie Hebdo, as we all must, to defend the art of satire, which has always been a force for liberty and against tyranny, dishonesty, and stupidity. Respect for religion has become a code phrase meaning fear of religion. Religions, like all other ideas, deserve criticism, satire, and yes, our fearless disrespect. Salman Rushdie. And I think that about sums it up. But I think this next story, rather than staring us in another direction, is probably going to take us further into this same discussion. This is about Pope Francis's recent 
free speech remarks. And this is from Yahoo News dated January 15th and entitled, After Paris Attacks, Pope Speaks Out Against Insulting Religions. Aboard the papal plane, Pope Francis, speaking of last week's deadly attacks by Islamist militants in Paris, has defended freedom of expression but said it was wrong to provoke others by insulting their religion and that one could, ex and here's a quote, expect a reaction to such abuse. Here's another quote from the Pope. You can't provoke, you can't insult the faith of others, you can't make fun of faith, he told reporters on Thursday aboard a plane taking him from Sri Lanka to the Philippines to start the second leg of his Asian tour. <clears throat> second leg of his Asian tour. Sounds like they're talking about like Iron Maiden or something. But anyway, uh, Francis, who has condemned the Paris attacks, was asked about the relationship between freedom of religion and freedom of expression. I think both freedom of religion and freedom of expression are both fundamental human rights, he said, adding that he was talking specifically about the Paris killings. Everyone has not only the freedom and the right, but the obligation to say what he thinks for the common good. We have the right to have the freedom openly without offending, he said. To illustrate his point, he turned to an aide and said, it is true that you must not react violently, but although we are good friends, if he says a curse word against my mother, he can expect a punch. It's normal. You can't make a toy out of the religions of others, he added. These people provoke and then something can happen. In freedom of expression, there are limits. Okay, so I think the Pope's trying to have his cake and eat it too there. Uh, he's saying that freedom of speech is very important. It's a, fundament it's a fundamental human right. But on the other hand, if you say anything provocative, you should expect retaliation, perhaps even a physical attack. And in a kind of base sense, that's true, that there are repercussions. Just because you're free to say something doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. But to me, an appropriate consequence would be retaliating with words and ideas not with violence. Another thing might be like, remember the Chick-fil-A scandal where you have Chick-fil-A, this very um, successful chain restaurant, and the owner, I think it was, said something disparaging about homosexuals or how he was against gay marriage. So people began boycotting the restaurant. And there were people on the right who were saying, you know, whatever happened to free speech, people should be able to say whatever they want without being persecuted for it. And this is another case where I think, yeah, you can say whatever you want. You can make anti-gay statements, but there very well may be consequences. People may boycott your business or people might call you a homophobe. And to me, those are perfectly acceptable forms of retaliation. If someone says something ugly, you don't have to continue shopping at their store or reading their magazine. People can have their free speech and you can protest their speech without resorting to violence. So I think it is a sad truth about life and the human condition that if you insult someone verbally, there is a chance you might get physically attacked. But that doesn't mean it's right. We should be condemning those who respond to free speech with physical violence or murder. And you know, people like this try to make it sound like they're not doing anything wrong. They're just mentioning and passing, like word to the wise. 
You know, if you say something to piss someone off, you might end up dead. I'm not saying that you should be killed. That, it just could happen. So we all know that. We all know there's violent people in the world who are willing to act brutally if they're insulted. But that doesn't mean we should run away with our tails between our legs and not criticize man-made belief systems or harmful doctrines. And I imagine to some degree the Pope is chiming in because he happens to be the leader of a man-made religion too. And he would probably find it absolutely lovely if no one ever said anything bad about Catholicism. And everyone puts this Pope kind of up on a pedestal, and I think there probably are a, a lot of good things about this Pope. But I'm, I'm almost tempted to take a little walk through the history of the Catholic Church with its paid indulgences, with its series of corrupt popes like the Borgia Pope, the Medicis, Crusades, Inquisitions, its amassing of wealth and power. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that you have the men in the big hats and the long robes looking out for their own interests in this uh, free speech debate. Oh, you can say anything you want, but you might get killed. <clears throat> Just letting you know. I mean, you guys are probably sick of hearing it. I don't know how many times in a row I have to say we should be able to criticize religion. Criticizing someone's man-made beliefs shouldn't get you killed. It might, yeah, but it shouldn't. And we should fight for a world that, that is more conducive to true freedom of speech, where we can criticize or even ridicule religions without having the fear for our lives. Religion shouldn't have a special pass. All ideas should be open to criticism and satire. And it's kind of funny. I don't know if the Pope was saying that half-jokingly. He probably was where he said, if his friend says a curse word against his mother, he can expect a punch. It's normal. Well, let's say my mother's not in the room and someone says something bad about my mother. I'm not going to like it. But I'm probably not going to punch you either. But if my aging, frail mother was in the room and you got into her face and started cursing and berating her, then we might have a problem. But otherwise, you know, you're free to say whatever you want. And I'm not going to hurt you or kill you for it. And a lot of people have come out and praised this Pope for his kind of relatively progressive stance on gay rights, but the very day after he made those uh, comments about how you shouldn't be able to criticize someone's faith, he came out and, uh, well, he didn't come out, hasn't <laughs> it come out of the closet? <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about uh, how Christopher Hitchens used to describe uh, Catholic clergymen as gruesome virgins. <laughs> These people who were sexually repressed and would tell everyone else uh, what they can and can't do with their naughty bits. This is from a site called the New Civil Rights Movement.com. There's been a, a lot of uh, gay rights uh, news sites that have been reporting on this story, understandably. It's entitled Pope Francis Same Sex Marriage Threatens to Disfigure. God's plan. Disfigure. Strong language. Pope Francis on Friday in front of a large audience in the Philippines attacked same-sex marriage. Friday while traveling in the Philippines, Pope Francis moved into a more conservative mode and attacked same-sex marriage. 
And I think here it's quoting the Pope. The family is threatened by growing efforts on the part of some to redefine the very institution of marriage by relativism, by the culture of the ephemeral, by a lack of openness to life, the pontiff told thousands at a mass in Manila. These realities are increasingly under attack from powerful forces, which threaten to disfigure God's plan for creation. The 78-year-old Argentinian also referred to the movement in many countries to accept same-sex marriage as an ideological colonization that we may have to be careful about that is trying to destroy the family. And here's another quote. Every threat to the family is a threat to society itself, Francis also told the conservative Catholic nation. The future of humanity, as St. John Paul II often said, passes through the family. Ironically, Pope Francis concluded his speech by saying he was very moved after the Mass today when I visited that shelter for children with no parents. Those children with no parents likely could have parents if same-sex couples were allowed to marry and adopt. So once again, make, make up your mind, dude, <laughs> your holiness. That's a beautiful statement at the end, right? That uh, there's kids who need parents, and if... If gay people were allowed to marry and adopt, there'd be a lot more, you know, kids and loving families. But then he says all that other stuff uh, up above. And when people talk about gay marriage uh, threatening to destroy the family or disfigure God's plan, it seems to me that people are kind of irrationally suggesting that if you allow gays to marry, suddenly half of the population is going to go... Well, you know, I wasn't gay before, but now that you're allowing gays to marry, I think I'll try it out. You know, I've often spoke on the show about how I believe that, although there can be certain social uh, and cultural factors, you know, I've pointed to things like instances in the ancient world, such as ancient Greece, where homosexuality and bisexuality were more commonplace or um, considered... uh, a social norm that was uh, widely practiced. And true in the ancient world, uh, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, I don't think people had even the same definitions, clear-cut definitions for sexual orientation the way that we do today. But I still think, in drawing from my own personal experience, that the human sex drive is so strong that although there may be some, in some instances, some social or cultural influences, for the most part, we're wired a certain way. We're kind of born with a certain sexual orientation. And I always joke how I didn't need anyone to tell me I was straight. If anything, I came from a really kind of traditional Roman Catholic family where you didn't even talk about sex. You weren't even allowed to hang pictures of girls in bikinis on your wall. So it's not like I had people telling me to be attracted to women. I was attracted to women from a young age. Uh, Very much so. No one had to tell me that. And I've talked about before how... um, I remember there was kind of a cool story on the Huffington Post before. It was just gay people talking about how they knew from a young age they were gay. And they would talk about how they would find themselves attracted to certain celebrities on TV of the same sex, the way I found myself attracted to like Suzanne Summers in in old reruns of Three's Company when I was a kid or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, so I don't think just because you legalize gay marriage doesn't mean all of a sudden that like 50 or 75% of the uh, population is going to turn gay and marry uh, a person of the same sex. You're just giving rights to people that were gay anyway. But it's funny, I'd planned on this to be a relatively short show, maybe under 20 minutes. And I'm looking at the clock now and I've been at it for over an hour. It might be significantly shorter than that once I get done with the editing. But I think it's time I call this episode quits. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. You can listen to the show on Stitcher. You can check out the archives on Podbean. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. If you feel generous, you can donate to the show's upkeep as little as 99 cents using the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page. There's that alliteration again. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. And with all that being said, as always, thanks for listening.